go ahead then and jump into the second part of this uh, podcast. And uh, man, uh, just super excited, Marcus. And uh, thank you, Desmond, uh, for kind of setting that up. So, man, if it's cool with you, I would love to d- dig in a little bit into Flick Shop. And uh, man, you know, like our partnership, FRC and Flick Shop partnership, man, we, man, we just we love uh, your company, love how you, you know, humanize and, and connect uh, with people along the lines of humanity through that technology. But I'm super intrigued with how, like, how, how'd you get to that place where you were like, man, this is, this is what I want to do. This is how I can, you know, make a living, uh, be an entrepreneur, live out those dreams and also uh, give back, man. So I'm just curious if you could kind of tell us a little bit about Flick Shop itself, but also, you know, what the inspiration was. You know, to be honest, Neil, like, I wish I had some really cool story, um, that, you know, that, that was started with the intent for me to want to give back and to create all of this impact that we're so blessed to be able to create in the world today. But when we first launched, it really was about me wanting to figure out how to connect with my friends that were still inside. When I came home from prison after serving all of those eight years, um, and remember, like I was in prison during my during my teenage years, right. right? And then all of my early 20s, right? So I grew up inside of those spaces with my my friends, my sale partners, the people I walked the rec yards with, the folks who I argued about basketball or over a final Jeopardy question with, you know, like those were like became my brothers. We shared this kindred spirit inside a prison that I would have never thought that I would have had. Um, you know, I even began to create out of these relationships. But <clears throat> over the years of us, you know, my mom sharing photos and moments that she would send to me because I was like going to the hole and going to solitary, couldn't figure out how to grapple with uh, this new prison census that I had to eventually succumb to. Like all of those things, that was, that was a tragic time for me. But those my friends that were in the sales with me, those were the ones who continue to keep me lifted, would continue to deposit in me and talk to me about what the you know, what they would see inside of me and what the possibilities could be when I came home from prison. When I combined that with what my mom was doing, which which was making a, a, an intentional effort to send me photos and letters when I was inside, um, it, it created something that I would have never thought of. By the time I finally did come home and um, I would begin to build this new life around all of these ambitions that I had while I was still sitting on sales. And eventually I would go on to start, you know, I would get a job and then finally start a fir- my first company when I came home. And then I would begin traveling. All of those things will happen. And those friends um, that I grew up in those sales with would get frustrated because um, in prison, there's no social media. There's no Facebook or Instagram or, you know, texting or easy emailing or any of those technologies that were available. And they wanted to be able to share in the same moments that my friends and my family members and my community were sharing, you know, on Instagram. Um, I knew that I needed to share that with them. And I felt guilty because I wasn't sending them pictures the same way that my mom did. Uh, and I wanted to figure out a way to be able to solve that problem. Uh, eventually, we landed on founding Flick Shop where I was able to take a, a bunch of cash out of my first business and make this investment into a tech company that would allow for our users the ability to take a picture, add some quick text, press send, and for 99 cents, uh, which is significantly cheaper than all the, the rest of the methods of communication inside of these sales, um, these family members could share each one of those moments with their loved ones the same way that my mom did with me. Uh, I'm so grateful to be able to have launched FlickShop and founded it and, and, and see the impact it's creating. But Neil, I promise you, it wasn't initially like that. I was like, yo, I just want to send pictures to my boys. 
um, and, it, and it grew into something amazing. Man, I, what I hear when when you share that, right, is that the man came out of love, right? Like, hey, I, I I got this love. I was I had this experience, and now I, I, I want to be able to share it. Um, you know, because Absolutely. I've heard you at, you know, you come and talk to some of our, our, our retreats and, 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 and you're so inspiring about kind of the connection that your mom had while you were on the inside, right? That you'd get pictures and share pictures. And so now just an extension of that is then, you know, suddenly there you are, right? You're a tech entrepreneur. Um, can, can, I'm familiar with the app, but I, I know a lot of folks who might be listening or watching might not be familiar. Could you give us a little, just kind of like, I, I know how you just described it and, and it, it is. It is, it is super functional, but can you just give us a little description of how the app works? Yeah, yeah. So um, our, our community of users, um, they know someone, you know, that's incarcerated or in the military and services, you know, a far away or you know, we have customers who have a loved one in senior living facilities. People that typically don't have access to a social media channel, they want to be able to share in some of the same moments that you and I share in when we double tap on, a, on an Instagram post. Our users download the FlickShop app um, for free in their iOS or their Google Play app stores. And then once they register their free FlickShop account, um, they can begin sending photos that are on their phone um, they, that, they, that ends up being uploaded into FlickShop and type a short message, uh, like a paragraph that they can attach to the postcard. And once they click send after uploading a photo and typing that message. Um, Flickshop takes that photo and that message and we print it on a real tangible postcard and we ship it to any person in any sale or anyone with an address anywhere in the country. Man, come on, man. That, that's just powerful, right? And, and, and it's this, like you just said, to anyone anywhere right so so man if you're listening to this and and this is something that uh, you know touches your heart because you got a loved one who you want to connect with in this way man download that app down go find that flick shop app and download it right now um because nah, thank you neil you know what's interesting like we really wanted like it, it's, it's such a simple technology and it's so easy to use it's like four or five taps and next thing you know your postcards are on their way we wanted to create something that was really simple really easy to use um, obviously affordability was a big part of it. We, you know, there were too many companies that were, um, that were profit that are still continue to profit off of the family members and build these massive profits off of the backs of people who really can't afford, um, or a lot of them that who just can't afford to, to stay in contact with their loved ones, specifically the ones that are incarcerated. And so, um, I'm grateful to have a simple technology that solves a major, major problem. Um, and now we have over 170,000 users on our platform that are sending pictures every day. And, and I'm, I feel so tremendously blessed by it. Well, and I mean, I got to say, when we, I know we partnered with you during the pandemic, right? Or more than just during the pandemic, but watching visitation get, you know, shut down and, and, and seeing the impact on families and, and, and the lack of connectivity, man, the idea that you got something simple, uh, affordable, and that, that anybody can take part in to connect with their loved one. Man, kudos for you. It is really cool to see. I mean, you're, you're you know, in a space where you're inspiring uh, folks like Desmond and I and so many others uh, with what you do, but you're also doing it in such a creative, cool, like technology space, man. So I just, I just lift that up and that if anybody out there, come on, if, if you're feeling it right now, get your phone out uh, and, and sign up. Uh, so, so let me ask you a question. Cause you are also a 
like you know the impact your technology's having, um, but you also know the, the the policies, right? You start talking like here, here we got Florida pays to JPay, right? So so there are companies out there that are trying to fill these gaps, and and we're getting you know. Um, physical mail shut down. Like there is a real issue out here and, and, and a gap that you're filling. Um, but can you talk uh, from the perspective of like policy? I've heard you talk. We, we've had a lot of conversations about how can the connection with the family, loved ones, you know, a, a social network of sorts that, that can actually uh, help reduce recidivism and what that impact has in terms of, you know, how we're trying to reduce mass incarceration, how we're trying to beat back the dehumanization that happens for people who are justice impacted or returning citizens like you're right in the middle of all that man no thank you i mean you're right i mean again one of those things that just it landed in my lap but then i also saw an incredible opportunity i saw an opportunity for for me and for our team members um who are you know we have a bunch of other returning citizens on our staff it allows us to be able to be bold be bolsterous about our past um, we are very thoughtful about wanting to figure out how to leverage this opportunity that we have in the world right now, center, where we center a majority of our conversations around tech and try to figure out how to leverage the tech to be able to communicate a, a clear need for a community. Um, it allows us to be able to erase stigma for the people that are sitting inside of those cells and also while simultaneously inspiring them to, to believe in the ideas that they have brewing right now while they're sitting there. They're very intentional and thoughtful about, you know, building out something when they're when they're coming home, whether it's being a part of an organization that's being thoughtful about this work or their role in the community, or if they want to be able to start something in their own. Um, we're excited about what those possibilities represent every time we have an opportunity to be able to share about the passion and work that we do over here at Flick Shop. So I think that there's a piece around that where, you know, I talked earlier about not being able to be what you can't see and us showing up in that way. I think that the other interesting thing that's begun to happen as a result of having these conversations around reform policy, especially in the the, the, the business community, where a lot of these corporate entities have never had to think about being socially good citizens before. They know now, like, wait a minute, we all should be being very thoughtful about this. And if we do our jobs right, then we can have this double pronged approach to success where we're doing really good in the community, but we're also capturing um, revenues and leveraging those revenues to be able to support the community where we want to continuously provide impact. So that we creating that kind of sort of circle and helping those companies support their mission and and doing being socially good citizens. So I'm excited about that. Finally, one of the things that I think that I'm most excited about are having conversations like these where we begin to shift the narrative or the conversation that happens at Thanksgiving dinner, at, at Christmas dinner, you know, while you're eating Chipotle or Chinese food and you leverage a Neil or a Desmond or a Marcus inside of a conversation where you use anecdotally these examples of how people are coming home and doing ma amazing things inside of the community, which again contributes to erasing some of the stigmas that we have that are attached to people with felony convictions. I think all of those are, are major and that's like ground level things that you know I'm intentional about being a part of. But I think that there's something else to be said around partnering or collaborating with some of these um, 
these ex- some of the our executives in the corporate spaces, all the way through some of the folks who sit on the hill um, and work on legislation to be able to impact things like mandatory minimums or keeping children out of prison or keeping folks out of solitary confinement or all of those policies that we know historic have provide you know historically been damaging for communities for years and years. Um, how we shift those conversations are really important to me. And so I'm always excited to be able to lend my voice inside of um, some of those policy conversations as well. Yeah, man, that gets me excited just kind of hearing about that because I know uh, here in Florida, we're right in the middle of this real interesting moment in time, right, where the business community is looking for, you know, to hire people, right? And suddenly, you know, you almost got to like kind of navigate the conversation in a way for them to open their own eyes to see so much talent, right? So many amazing people who, for whatever reason, they've kind of just kind of closed their eyes to, so many people have closed their eyes to, and then to watch them awaken, right? I mean, that's really powerful. It's, it's, it's almost overwhelming. We've, uh, we've talked to probably 30 or 40 chambers of commerce. Um, we're working on legislation during the session uh, to, to uh, help create this win-win scenario that you were talking about in, in, in today's divisive politics where businesses can, can hire amazing people, great folks can get access to employment and be treated like anybody else. And in the process, you, you, we know that when people are able to reintegrate into the community, the, 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 the amount of trouble that folks are, are going to get into is going to lessen. So actually people who might not even care about the stuff we're talking about right now are going to benefit because they have safer communities. And I think there's real power in that whole like you said, the circle right there. And, and when a business leader sees that, it's for us, man, we, we, we've been laughing behind the scenes because they, they move a mile a minute. You know, you meet some corporate leader and instantly they're like, no, I gotcha. Can, can you connect me with some returning citizens? So we've actually turned into like a borderline staffing agency here in Florida, you know, spend 10 years organizing and networking and building a, a, a base of power of, of returning citizens and directly impacted people who now it's kind of like, man, we're almost doing two or three job fairs a week. Um, and, and, and I really look at what you were talking about and you stand on, you know, in such a way, I, I have such admiration for you as a business leader and somebody who carries multiple kind of torches at the same time. And I would love, Des was right. I know he loves to give me a hard time. Uh, I would love to like ask you what it was like to kind of have that glare, right? Like that, that, that you, there you were in the white house, right? And president Trump's there talking about the first step act and, and, and you're doing your thing, man, you're, 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 you're repping the community and you're talking about what the power of technology and what, what's possible when businesses get together with returning citizens and, and, and how we can move together by working together. What was that like, man? Like, and I'm, I'm curious what people's response was to you being in that space, especially, you know, like, and, and, you know, us, man, we, we, we just want what's best for people and we'll work with anybody and everybody. And we understand that it's a complicated world out there. But you're you're standing next to somebody who's a real Rorschach test, right? And the President Trump. What was that like, man? You know, it was yeah, that was an interesting moment in time. I'll tell you, w- one of the things that you know I was excited about having the opportunity to do was begin to dispel the myth that folks couldn't articulate themselves well and 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 try to figure and try to figure out how to communicate the need for others in the business community to join the effort in one employing folks 
who look like me or come from communities that I come from or lived in the cells that I came from, or also wanting to figure out how to build the kind of collaborations that may not look like an employee relationship. Maybe it looks like a 1099 contractor relationship. Maybe someone that's going to be replying back to a RFP, a request for a proposal or a MOU or memorandum of understanding for one of these major giants like a, a Home Depot or CVS or um, or Verizon, some of those companies that are being very thoughtful about wanting to weave in a new population of people where they know that they know are going to be able to get a bunch of amazing talent from being returning citizens. I knew that there was something that was important about standing up and being that voice of face for folks who were looking for that next moment in time um, that can be represented well. And so, um, one, I was excited to be able to be that. Um, on the other side, I knew that there was going to be a bunch of tension that will come as a result of um, of me going to the White House underneath the Trump pres- um, presidency. And, 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 and not because of um, who who Trump is, but what was happening in the world um, at the time. And if I'm being honest, like you just alluded to just now, Neil, if I'm being honest, I'm like, yo, look, I'm always thinking about my friends that are inside of these cells, the, the the Marcus that was living inside of C12. And I lead every decision that I make um, with, with that in mind. I'm like, like, yo, look, let me tell you something. My boy Spider, my boy Andy, who is sitting in these cells right now, like they are super proud to be able to see their brother on TV and talking about the need to help support them as they're getting ready to go off parole in a couple of months. Now, I'm blessed to say that both Andy and Spider, they've both made parole since that moment um, while serving a life sentence, um, and while serving life sentences, and they're now home back in the community. Yes. And the very first thing that they point to as a reference point to see what extreme success can look like is a YouTube video where someone can see Donald Trump introducing Marcus Bullock to the rest of the world. That means something. That means something that's more than a lot of the folks who hop on Twitter and talk about why Marcus Bullock should not have been at the White House. What it means is it signals to the rest of the world that says, no matter which cell you came from, no matter what neighborhood you came from, you will recognize this moment in history and say that the world is changing and we all need to join together and figure out how to help solve a massive problem that's centered around in, uh, mass incarceration. If we do that well, it won't matter what side you want, the right, the left, or indifferent. Like, yo, we have, a, we're all contributing to solve a big problem. And, and I think that that resonated with a, a bunch of people. For those that it did not, I don't know if I care. I really wanted to be able to represent for my family and the people who who came from the place where I came from. Oh, man, that's what's up. And that is incredibly powerful, right? Because you're talking about, like, getting into the culture, right? Because ultimately, culture changes policies, right? And, 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 you know, we see it all the time when this culture shift starts to happen and people start to see things differently, Man, the, the right and the left, the red and the blue, the p- professional political people, man, they just adjust to where the people are, you know? So, I, I, yeah, exactly I'm tracking completely with what you're talking about, man. So so let me ask you this yeah. then, right? I, I hear your story, and my mind goes a, a, in a lot of different directions, and I hope these are, are, are cool cool kind of uh, paths to take here. One is, is like, are there some, like, 
decisions or mistakes that you made along the way? Or is there some advice you'd give yourself, you know, uh, you know, eight years ago or seven, eight years ago as you're getting ready to start the company that you'd give yourself in that moment? Or what, what was that like, man? Because I know everybody kind of from the outside looking in, right? It looks like, oh, it's just that escalator ride up. Nice, smooth growth, <laughs> right? But I'm, we, we know better. We know how oh, God works, goodness. man. There's, there's, there's a whole, Thank you for knowing whole different better. process. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Neil, hey, look, let me tell you, I mean, I, I could write a book on all of the failures that I made, you know, that I had experienced along this journey. And and I'm not talking about like from years ago when we first launched. I'm talking about like right now today in the places where I experiment. I'm very, very, very thoughtful about how to experiment in this space, you know, especially in the entrepreneurial world. But if I'm being honest, like it carries over to my own personal life as well, right? Like the experiments that I run in my home, the experiments I run in my marriage, the experiments that I run in obviously my business, but my family, like these are places where um, I fail often as a result of me experimenting. The interesting thing about that is that um, it's also the place where I have the most growth and the possibilities for correction and to be able to spread a new narrative that it's okay to learn and adjust. A lot of the experiences that I had, I look at like paid tuition. I grew up in prison. I didn't finish, my last grade completed in school was ninth grade. So if I was going, you know, if I was finishing high school and going to college, I would have had a ton of opportunities to be able to experiment. And that's one of the places where we forgive our young people for doing it, where it, it kind of sort of doesn't carry over and don't we don't offer the same grace to the folks who are wanting to build the transformative tools that change the world. Yes, I'm one of those people that want to be intentional about building one of those transformative tools. So I have to be thoughtful about um, how I, you know, articulate that need to the community, but also in how I deposit in my own self to say that, Marcus, it's OK to mess up. Now let's talk about some of those failures. They, there's a laundry list of them. There's the there's the, the the fears of the amount of money I invested in strategies to be able to help grow FlickShop, and none of them worked. There were the failures that I had when we were launching a construction business, and I was trying to figure out how to be able to read architectural plans and couldn't do it. There was some failures centered around how to build out a marketing plan and how I invested inside of. PR and press releases that didn't mean anything because no one really cared except for my mom. There were there were certain failures even today in how we build our technology that may cause some difficulty for a user to be able to log into their FlickShop account. We have to iterate on that. So looking back on those, one of the looking back on each one of those, and, and they're, they're not just go keep going on, right? But looking back on each one of those, one of the things that I'm grateful that I have behind me is the fearlessness to continue to fail and to fail fast and to fail forward. There's something about going to prison um, that gave me this silver lining in my dark cloud where I have a pain tolerance that a lot of folks who are graduating from the, some of the best business schools, they just don't have. They're fearful of um, of looking like the failure inside of their community. They're fearful of building their businesses in public and allowing for um, folks to be able to judge them along the journey as their as the perceptive um, role that they take that they know what they, that they know what they're doing because a lot of us entrepreneurs we want to be able to to present that we know what we're doing we know how, we have it all figured out and we're all of us are crushing it where I'm like nah I'm not 
I'm not crushing it, but I am working adamantly to try to solve a massive problem. And if I'm being thoughtful about the 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 authenticity that I want to deliver to not only my customers but also to the entire country as they look at new social impact leaders, um, especially in the tech spaces, I want to make it acceptable. Let's you know the the, the the buzzword is normalize, right? Like let's normalize people failing forward in understanding that you're going to have to go through some things, right? One of the things I tell my son all of the time. And I got this from Grant Cardone, who talks about the 10x rule, is that Marcus Marcus Jr., you can't underestimate the amount of effort that it's going to take to reach your goals. You also can't underestimate the amount of adversity that you're going to have to overcome to reach your goals. And if we're doing those two things right, um, then you're continuously building, you're putting one foot in front of the other, um, you're hopping over some of these hurdles in life and in your business and in school and your relationships, um, but you'll end up on the other side of success. And that's what traveling down the yellow brick road to happiness looks like. It looks like being able to be comfortable with the failures that you take along the way, even if you meet the wicked witch of the West and you have to figure out how to be able to jump over that hurdle and getting through or past her. Like you're going to end up on the other side of it once you get to Oz. And I promise you, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Man, I got to tell you what, you sound like Desmond, man. It's it's one of those things I was thinking <laughs> about, like as you were talking, is the, is the passage of Amendment 4. And there were those moments, right, where Des, man, as, as the leader of the movement, was surrounded by folks who wanted to kind of encourage him to get into the divisiveness, right? Encourage him to play the, the, the politics game the way it's always been played, right? And Des, Des just was gifted. He was given this vision that, uh, you know, no, no, we're going to do things differently. That there is, it's not impossible to actually go into all communities and talk to people as people, you know, and we're not going to let the fear and we're not going to, you know, he'd always said he's, you know, especially like we'd go into communities in which, frankly, some of our consultants were like, man, we don't, we don't want you necessarily going into those conservative communities. We don't want you hitting those trailer parks. And we're like, yeah, but that's our people, man. Like, well, of course, we're going to go talk to our folks. We're going to go to every community we can and just share what's possible if you love somebody enough to, to, to risk, you know, uh, doing something different, man. And, and so it's really, really powerful to hear you talk about what's what's possible when you fail forward, right? When you're not afraid, you know, because uh, Des and I would look around, right? You're driving all over the state and you're seeing people who are willing to work twice as hard to get half as far, right? And then deal with whatever, whatever comes. And in that process, man, you can develop some real powerful disciplines uh, that, like you said, allow you to really take off like a rocket, which is what we're seeing you and your company do right now, man. What about the other side? Do you feel like there are moments where somebody wants to hold you back, right? Where it's kind of like, oh, no, 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 no. You can only, you know, go so far. There's a certain lid. And and, and once you're there, man, that, uh, you know, that, that you ever kind of have to battle that, 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 that fight? You know what? If I'm being honest, I mean, while I'm sure that there's some external forces that are, you know, that probably whisper in my ear or some of them probably blatantly tell me that I shouldn't go uh, try to introduce myself into these places or try to follow this, you know, amazing trajectory that I've ideated around. But if I'm being honest, you know what the majority of it comes from now? It really comes from me. Mm. There's a, There are moments in time where... I'm listening to myself when I shouldn't be listening to myself and I should be speaking to myself. 
And I try to tell myself to shut up. My boy, uh, my boy Tony, um, we all call him Tony B. He's one of our head instructors for the Flick Shop School of Business. And he talks about that. He talks about that often of the, the voice in our head that tries to trample on our dreams or our desires, our wishes, or even just try to figure out how to navigate around our fears. And it tells us, no, you can't go there, Marcus. Marcus, don't do that. Don't put in an application. Don't partner or collaborate. Don't even try to collaborate with this major company or this huge, massive organization um, because it's not likely that they want to do business with you. You're a black man from D.C. that's not a tech capital. You're in, you know, you have a felony conviction. You don't have, you know, all of these letters behind your name. These are things that are going to pose as a formidable um opposition for you and it's probably going to result in you failing so instead of you going that route why don't you go the safe route and try as hard as you can to be able to do xyz and there are times when i have to coach my own self out of it and say yo marcus you know what's happening you're listening to yourself again marcus you have to speak to yourself and tell yourself no you do belong here you should be here. It's okay for you to be in this room. You belong in this room and you will articulate articulate yourself in a way that makes this position that you have on this one topic palatable for this audience of people who otherwise would have never had the opportunity to be able to meet a Marcus. You have to represent in this moment because you dreamt about this. When you said in C12, you said that if you ever had this opportunity to help overcome this massive problem for people that look like you or came from the place you came from, that you would exercise and you would do it in a way that provided power to those that are coming behind you. Well, now here's your moment. You have to do it. And there are times when I have to coach myself and do that. Um, when I'm, when, when I'm, when I, when I'm listening to myself, when I, I really should be speaking to myself. Well, I got to tell you, man, the hair on my arms are standing up right now. Cause you're touching on something really powerful, right? Cause I think, a lot of, I'll speak for me at least, you know, so much, so much time is spent in this kind of the, in the movement talking about, Hey, the narrative coming at us, we got to work hard to change that narrative. And we do, but you are, you remind me, we had a, a, a podcast a, a couple months ago uh, with Florida entrepreneurs, all returning citizens who had their own uh, businesses. And I remember asking kind of like, Hey, what was the secret? What was that, that moment when, you know, when you really realized like, Oh, Hey, this thing could happen. Right. And, and, and if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking that somebody's going to say, Oh, it was when I figured out how to work the bank system or, or when I got networking figured, you know what I'm saying? Where it was like some sort of business application, but every single person, man, it was very similar to the story that you just said. I said, man, I was looking in the mirror. Right, it was my own internal narrative, right? That was, that we got something coming at us, but really, once I realized, oh, I am good enough. I do belong in that space. I do owe it to, you know, myself and, and, and my community to keep fighting for, you know, something that's bigger than me. That the whole world changed, and uh, man, I, I'm I'm super proud of you. So, do I? I'm, I'm looking at our notes here, uh, and I know we're, we're the, the, the clock is ticking, but it says here that Flick Shop is now uh, expanded to include a school of business for returning citizens. I, yeah, I can man. totally see how effective that's going to be. Can you tell us about that? Like, and how folks could get plugged in or what, what, what that's all about, man. I'm excited about what you got going on there. 
Yeah, no, thank you, thank you. We're we're learning how to work with some of our external corporate partners to be able to help sponsor some of our classes uh, that are filled with other returning citizens that are coming back to the community, and they want to be able to find how, how they want to be able to learn how to create their own pathway into the tech spaces or entrepreneurship um, spaces. We we want to be able to create this new legion of tech entrepreneurs that are coming out and, and leveraging these new technologies to be able to shift and change the world. We're seeing it happen at, at all different levels from, you know, the folks who are building um, high touch products like myself, um, all the way through, you know, the folks who are building massive, you know, what are, I guess being labeled as metaverses now, you know, where folks are being able to be, be being thoughtful about how to leverage VR and AR to be able to to bring real life experiences into spaces where you typically wouldn't have that kind of access. Um, I'm excited about introducing that level of curriculum to some of our returning citizens because, like, um, you know, Neil, we both know, right, that there's an extremely high level of brilliance that resides in some of those sales. Um, And and, and, and the reason why there aren't more success stories for some of these amazing trailblazers, um, I I believe, is because as a result of a lack of access. And then that access is, uh, you know, to, to social capital. Sometimes it's a lack of access to resources. Um, and, and, and we're being thoughtful about uh, how we're communicating with this population of people, how we're delivering the curriculum. The folks who um, who teach at the Flick Shop School of Business, um, myself and some of the other, other instructors, we've all had some kind of involvement uh, with the justice system. And we, what we wanted to do was we wanted to be able to build something that said, hey, we did it and you can too. And let's talk about the steps that go from zero to one. Now, if we can get you from zero to one, then we believe that one, we could potentially provide support services to go from one to 10. But that's the biggest and the hardest part for most entrepreneurs or folks that are coming out of these kind of communities is like they don't have the social capital, the resources or the confidence to build the thing that allowed them to go from zero to one. We built a boot camp style program um, that we named uh, the Flick Shop School of Business. And we focus on building entrepreneurs uh, for the future of work. And I'm excited about what that looks like. So far, we've had 151 graduates of the yes. Flick Shop School of Business. Um, we have, uh, you know, we, we measure our, our impact uh, in revenue generated. And so to know, you know, our, our, our scholars are graduating from our program with some of them just beginning to generate revenue while going through the boot camp, um, and others, you know, learning how to figure out how to build these either businesses in their own right or being the entrepreneurs. I call them like the folks, like the people who work at Chipotle. Like, yo, you work at Chipotle, you're the CEO of guacamole. How are you being thoughtful about bringing a new growth mindset, a scaling mindset into Chipotle, into the store you're working in? Because that's the thing that's going to build the trajectory for of success for you. So whether or not you're an entrepreneur that wants to start a, a tech company or you know, a food truck business, um, or whether you're an entrepreneur that wants to figure out how to take your messaging of impact into some of these businesses that are looking for you. Um, we want to be able to show you how to do that. Um, and, and I'm excited to see show that I'm excited to see that our graduates, uh, of our program are doing amazing things and going off to not only start awesome businesses, uh, but continue to spread that messaging of, uh, of, of brilliance that can come out of some of the worst spaces. Oh man, that's 151 lives changed right there, man. We've given real value added 
kind of entrepreneurial, uh, like you said, boot camp style uh, guidance and and, and uh, education. How can people be supportive of what you're doing, man? Yeah, so visit us at FlickShop.com if they want to learn more about um, the ways that they can support FlickShop. Um, I think that the easiest way to support FlickShop is to download FlickShop and send a postcard to your loved one. Um, you know what? If you don't, if you want to know what it looks like to send up what, what, what a postcard, you know, a FlickShop postcard looks like, send one to yourself. Download the app and send a postcard to yourself so you can see how the product works. Um, maybe you don't know anyone that's incarcerated, but your mission aligned with the work that we're all doing, and you want to figure out ways to be able to help support other family members who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to be able to. Uh, use a flick shop simply because of affordability. I know 99 cents doesn't seem like a lot of money, but to some families, 99 cents, I mean, you want to send a, a picture for a buck or do you want to try to buy food for the kids? Like those are real life decisions that a lot of our users have to be able to make. And so we built the flick shop angels program that allows for the community to band together with us, become flick shop angels where they purchase flick shop credits for our FlickShop users, and we give them to children with incarcerated parents so that they can send their mom and dad as many funny face selfies as they want to completely for free without having to ask auntie or uncle for their credit card. That's a great way to engage and become involved is to become a FlickShop angel. If um, some of the listeners, if you all want to learn more about the FlickShop School of Business and how you can either become a participant Maybe you want to enroll as the next scholar if you're in the Washington, D.C. or the New York metro areas. Um, come and visit us at FlickShop.com backslash FSB for FlickShop School of Business. Um, there, there are tons of ways that we can engage. Um, but more than anything, I want to meet each one of you guys. So if you're following me on social, please hop in my DMs um, and come say hey. Oh man, well that is fantastic. I, I do. I, I, you're touching like the heart of the movement too, in such a cool way. For uh, I think about, you know, th- this kind of movement down here in Florida and how the, it's just interlaid with so many entrepreneurs, right? So so many people, right? You get out of incarceration, get off probation, and and you take that job at Chipotle, right? And and suddenly, at least here in Florida, where about thirty percent of all the jobs require some sort of job license, a license that can be denied to you simply because you have a felony conviction, suddenly you're hitting that lid, right? You're like, oh, I want to be a mortgage broker, I want to be a you know a a licensed um, recovery uh, specialist or a boat captain down where I live, and 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 then. What happens? We see that entrepreneurial spirit just take over. And so many returning citizens and leadership uh, positions here at FRC and within the extended FRC family have that entrepreneurial gift and that passion that, that you've got, man. So I just want to wish you all the best. I, I really want to thank you for uh, being on the show with Des and I uh, and, and taking the time to inspire us and kind of talk through what you got going on um, and, and just continuing to do the cool things that you do, man. So I just want to thank you very much, Marcus, for being on our voice today and uh and wish you the best of luck with everything you got going on oh man thank you so much for having me you guys you know i love what you guys are doing then in florida i'm excited to have opportunities uh to be able to help support some of the work that you guys are doing and the families down there in florida thank you guys so much for having me on oh thanks marcus take care man all right see you guys all right peace